0: second peter three we're going to finish this bad boy up we're going to be in verse 10 this morning and before we even read the scripture i want to ask you um and you can show of hands uh if this has happened to you because i am curious because both the things i'm going to talk ask you uh, have happened to me have any of you guys ever had your home robbed has anybody ever broken into your home and robbed your home a lot of people have How about your vehicle? Has anybody ever broken in and stolen something from your vehicle? Has anybody ever been mugged? Hey, Luke has. Jim, you? It was a bar fight, wasn't it? Okay, I knew it, man. You gotta watch watch guitar players. Um, Here's the deal. I remember our our home was broken into when I was a kid, and uh, you know, the thing that amazed me most, I think I was seven years old, I don't know if you guys remember Heathcliff, he was kind of like the uh, other cat that was famous beside Garfield, but I had this Heathcliff piggy bank and the, that dude was filled to the top with pennies. I mean, it had it had 300 pennies in it, you know, $3 worth. Um, but I, I remember I was about seven years old and I remember they broke into our home and they stole so much stuff. They stole my dad's gun collection, guns that he had been given by his grandfather and stuff from my mom that she had been given that wasn't worth much, but it was uh, heirlooms and stuff that had been given to her by her parents and her grandparents, and just things that are personally valuable, more than really valuable. Uh, But they stole all this stuff from our home, and I I was absolutely floored that they didn't steal my piggy bank. Um, And I remember that vividly. of our home and the door was unlocked and kind of open and i remember how scared my mom was in that moment and she said boys she said did you leave this and no we went in and you could tell that there was stuff that was trash stuff that was laying around there were when there was a window that was broken uh, and then just things had been pilfered through and um, i remember we ran out of the house got in the car and uh, we just left in case somebody was there and Uh, That was a scary moment for us. And uh, I I remember uh, as a college student, um, not once but twice, uh, my Bronco was broken into. Uh, The first time they broke that little, remember when vehicles had those little triangle windows on the front window and you could kind of let the air in, the vent in? old, um, and I remember they took my, my book of CDs, do you remember those, See, I don't I don't mess with those anymore, do you, dude, our CDs used to be it, alright, like you had this portfolio, this album with all these CDs in it, and I had a collection, man, um, and they took that, and I just remember on that occasion being so angry uh, that somebody would not just break in, but they took my stuff, you know. And in both counts, um, I know that we, as a family, and me individually, and every time that that's happened, you feel violated. Uh, You're angry, man. You're you're you want to find out who's done that, um, so you can let them have it, you know. And uh, you want justice to come to them. Um, You are sad because of the things that were taken, and that you're so vulnerable that somebody would do that to you. Uh, There's all these emotions that are surrounded by these moments that are really unfair and unwelcome and i want to point that out this morning because the very first verse we're going to read is second peter 3 10 and it says the day of the lord comes like a thief in the night now i want you to understand this it absolutely comes at a time when we will not expect it okay but this imagery of a thief Is really only descriptive of one of two types of people and there's only two types of people in this world there are born-again believers and there are lost people okay we fall into one of those two categories there's no limbo middle ground ride the fence you're either a Christian who's been born again or you're a lost person who's rejected and resisted Jesus Christ and so to the people who have resisted and rejected Christ the Lord's coming on the day of the Lord will be like a thief in the night. It will be unwelcome, unexpected. It won't be something that they consider a good thing. It will be an intrusion into their life. But for us who are children of God, He's not coming like a thief, but a rewarder of those who have diligently sought Him. He's coming as a Redeemer, as a as a gift-giving, delivering, holy Savior to bring us Joy, And so there are these two windows that you're going to look at this verse from. For believers, we're going to look at it and say, yes, he's coming like a thief in the night, and we don't know when that day is. For the unbeliever who who hears these words, they look at it and they say, I don't want him to come. He's just going to mess things up for me. He's going to make my life something that I don't desire. And so there's two perspectives as we step into this passage. And I just ask you to read it with me. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Listen. Then the heavens will pass away with a great noise, with a loud roar. The elements will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. They'll be laid bare. And he says, Peter says, since all these things are going to be dissolved or destroyed this way, What sort of people ought you to be? Now this is this this very paramount question that is really leading up to Peter's giving us all these things in his last two letters. And after he finishes this letter, Peter dies shortly. He dies the death of a martyr. This is his last letter that he ever writes that we know of that goes to churches. And Peter's telling believers, and, and thank God... You know, God has preserved His Word that we have this today as well. He's asking us, in light of the information that the Lord is returning, that the day of the Lord is coming, and that judgment is coming on the wicked, in light of the fact that the earth will be burnt up and destroyed, in light of all of this, that it's going to be an unexpected day, that you don't know the day and the hour, what type of person should you be? And it's a question that you can't just let slide. You need to answer that. Between you and God, you need to answer that. He says, What type of person ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. Nevertheless, we according to God's promise, are waiting for it. We're looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, as you anticipate these things, Christians, we ought to be looking forward to that day. Be diligent. In other words, make every possible effort that you can to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. You know, there's this recurring thing in our lives that when the Lord returns, how will he find you? You know, and a lot of times that scares us, I think, because we think, well, what if I'm doing something I'm not supposed to do? Well, this is the warning against that, right? Listen, it doesn't matter if you are in... uh, I I shared this story. Um, It doesn't matter if you're in that moment where you swerved across lanes, and a bad word came out of your mouth. Okay, that doesn't annihilate your salvation, right? If that's the last thing you even said, it's not going to be uh, the last. It's not going to be a sin that the Lord says, you know what? Never heard that word before, except from sailors. That was too bad. I'm sorry. I know you trusted Jesus, and you've always lived for Him, but you said that word, so now you can't come into heaven. That's not going to happen. All right. Your blood bought. Spirit sealed. And God never loses his own out of his hand. Here's the, here's the thing about it, though. When the Lord returns, how will you be found living? If it is a faithful life, you know, hopefully we're, uh, we're uh, like right in the process of leading somebody to Jesus and, you know, and the, everything happens and Jesus and we're all caught up with him and we're like, yes, man, that was the best moment you could have possibly come. Most of us might not be doing that. We're probably just going to be going about our daily lives, doing our normal thing. But how will you be found? Will you be found in Christ or out of Christ? And I pray to God that everybody who hears this message is found in Christ. That day's coming. I finish reading this here. He says, consider that our Lord's patience brings salvation. Now, Peter's writing this for a specific reason because there's a lot of false teachers that are saying that the Lord isn't coming back, that you don't have to worry about, you know, God's judgment. Just be good. Uh, God is love. They were doing that that day. They're still doing it today. He said, but God's patience brings salvation. The reason why God's tarrying and Christ's return hasn't happened yet and the day of the Lord hasn't happened yet is because God's desire is that all people would be saved. He does not delight in the death of the wicked. He wants no one to be eternally separated from him. And so he's giving us a chance. He's bearing with us. And Peter says, this is just like our beloved brother Paul wrote, according to the wisdom God gave him. As Paul wrote in all his letters... When speaking of these matters, he said, There are some parts of Paul's letters which are hard to understand, and we can say amen to that. He says, But which the ignorant, that is, the people who don't know better, who don't understand what the Bible says, and the unstable, twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. <clears throat> you, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on guard. That's our call, guys. Be on guard so that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Listen, if he's coming like a thief in the night, be on guard. Just be ready, okay? Our job as Christians, we'll see, hopefully throughout this message, is to be diligent, to be vigilant, to be anticipating his return. And so we're living that way. But grow. Listen, this whole series has been called Increase this year. This is why but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You must be increasing. You must be growing as a believer. Grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, if, if I don't say another word today, um, that speaks, Father. The day of the Lord comes like a thief in the night. For some, that day of your visitation will be a horrible thing to look forward to. And they dread it, Lord God. But they're also the ones that don't know you. They don't know your forgiveness. They don't know your son Jesus. They don't know your love and your mercy and your grace. And Lord, it's for those people that we, who are on the other side, who know your love, who've experienced your grace, who've been blessed and held together day by day, who have been delivered from glory to glory, who have been sought after and, and loved on and had prayers answered and we walk with you, Lord. For us, we look forward to the day that you come like a thief in the night. We look forward to that day arriving because for us, it's a blessed thing. We have our reward. We know that we're joint heirs with Jesus. We know that heaven is our home, that you've already gone on before us to prepare that mansion for us and that you're coming again. But Lord, it is for us that you tarry, that you wait, that that day hasn't come yet so that we can go to the people for whom it's going to be an unwelcome intrusion in their lives. That we may bring as many from that side of the chasm over into the light as we possibly can while we live. Lord, that the church would so care and get down on her knees and on her face and weep for the lost the people who don't know Jesus or who reject Jesus, Lord God, that we would go to them. And we know, Lord, we're being sent as sheep amongst wolves. But Lord, You have our back. You've got us. You give us the power and the strength. And I pray, Father, we pray today that if there's somebody in our lives, somebody that we can minister to, that we can share the love of Christ with, that we can talk about the forgiveness of sin, that we can share the good news of the Gospel with, Lord, whether it's today, this week, in the coming months, Lord God, if you allow us that time, that we would do it. Because there's nothing more important. Not the Razorbacks football season starting back. Not school resuming. Not the future of our jobs. Not retirement day. Nothing else is is as important as seeing people saved. And Lord, what a fresh reminder in our lives, when a little six-year-old, before he was born, when he was in his mother's womb and I was laying hands on him, Lord, on on, on her stomach, Lord God, praying for that. We know that you're still in the business of saving souls. And we know, Lord God, you can do it with children, you can do it with middle-aged people, you can do it with elderly people. Lord, we are asking, Lord, that we might be invited to participate in the glorious act of sharing the gospel and seeing you save a soul so that more people are brought out of the domain of darkness into the glorious kingdom of light. And Lord, as that day approaches, and it's coming quicker than ever, Lord, that we would get up off of ourselves. We'd get out of our seats, we would move, and we'd do something, Lord God, to bring you honor and glory. And Lord, what what type of people ought we to be? Well, this morning, Lord God, reveal it. Make it fresh to us. Holy people, godly people, faithful people, vigilant people anticipatory people who are really looking forward to the day but we don't just hide it take it for ourselves that we share it and we shout it from the mountaintops lord do a good work today in our lives and show up show out move us lord god to obedience we ask it in jesus name amen (laughs) eschatology is that big theological word, and a lot of y'all know what that is, but eschatology, I always think about the escalator, you know? Um, when I was a little boy, I remember my mom used to take me to the store, and as a little kid, I, I see it now that I have kids, but I always would get down where that escalator was going down into the ground, and I wanted to see what was down in that crack, you know? You remember that? And she's like, Aaron, no! she's like there's a monster down there well what do you he tell a four-year-old that there's a monster down there and it didn't scare me I wanted to see the monster even more and so but you think about the escalator what do they do they either go up or they go down well the eschatology is in this sense the going up we're going to another level eschatology is the theological word that means the study of end-time events the study of the future you know we're moving forward And so, uh, Peter's talking about eschatology here. He's talking about end times stuff. The last time Peter spoke to us uh, in 2 Peter 3, he was talking about how scoffers would come in the end days. And how they would really revel in their sin. You know, there would be some flamboyance. You know, uh, there was a day and age when uh, sin... Was hidden. You know, you didn't bring that sin out in public. And now there are parades and months about things that are sinful and ought to be kept secret. People shouldn't revel and rejoice in these things that are against God's will. And yet, as the end days approach, those things that are sinful are going to be more and more paraded and heralded as good things. And we're going to see it happen. We're seeing it now. But Peter's warning against this. He's saying, in the last days, scoffers will come. And they'll make fun of what they consider to be Christ's delay in coming again. And Peter tells us about that in verse 10 when he says, the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. He's telling us how it's going to happen, that the heavens are going to pass away, there will be this great noise, the elements of the earth and the heavens will melt with fervent heat, the earth and all the works that are in it are going to be burned up. And that's a scary prospect. It is. It shouldn't be for you as a Christian, okay? I want you to know that. You don't have anything to worry about that day coming if you're in Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not in Jesus Christ, today's the day. Get that right today so that you don't have to worry about that day, okay? But here's the thing. Every first century Jew, and we're talking about that age right now when we're in the Bible, every first century Jew was... Acquainted with the word, or the, the phrase, the day of the Lord. It was used by the prophets over and over again. It was a well used expression by Jews. And the day of the Lord would be the day, and I think this is on the screen, when God's glory would brilliantly and brightly shine. God on that day is not just going to vindicate and give victory to his people, but he's going to vindicate himself. He's going to rise up and no one will be able to deny who he is and that he is real. And so the day of the Lord is really uh, like a two-sided coin. I brought a quarter in here this morning. Uh, All of our quarters have, still have, George Washington on the front of them. And this one has a state on the back of it. I can't I'm getting to that point in my life where I need glasses, okay? I can't read what that even says. Here's the deal. A lot of times we make choices in life on chance. Heads or tails? Brian, heads or tails, man? You're preaching next week, all right? Heads, heads, Brian's preaching next week. Tails, I'm preaching next week, okay? Let's see what it is. Tails, man. Ha, (laughs) ha, ha, ha. that, that, that was chance, right? Or God guided that coin onto my hand. This is actually a two-tailed coin, all right? Um, here's the deal. The day of the Lord is a two-sided coin. On one side of the coin is this day of visitation where the Lord returns unto His people and He brings us this good news, this, these glad tidings, this redemption. And on the other side of that coin is judgment where his people, where other people who don't know him are going to be visited with something far different than what we have. But it's not left up to chance. God already has this date on his calendar when the day of the Lord will occur. It's already set. It is coming. There is nothing that will hold it back. But here's the deal. We don't know when that day is. Don't listen to anybody. Listen, anybody tells you it's coming in fall 2023. Don't listen to that person. They're crazy. And there's so many books. You go to Goodwill and you read, you can find books for a quarter based on all of these prophets and preachers and people who've predicted these days in the past and they were wrong. Be careful when somebody says that. We don't need to worry about when that day is. We just need to worry that we're ready for it. Are you ready? Let me ask you this, guys. Are you individually ready for the day of the Lord? If you aren't, if you're not sure of that, we need to talk today. Today, we need to talk. You need to deal with the Lord. Listen, um, God's going to bring His final judgment on the world, and it's going to be a dark day for those who deny Him. Now listen to this. (coughs) The the term most often used in the Greek New Testament for the word judgment is krisis. It's where we get our English word crisis, okay? Crisis. Uh, what happens in a crisis? Well, somebody breaking into your home or your vehicle or, or robbing you at gunpoint or knife point or whatever, that's a crisis. And judgment for the lost person is going to be a crisis. It's going to be a crisis of faith. It's going to be a crisis of eternity. And they're going to be face to face with it, but when that time comes, it's too late. There is no second chance when you have passed from this life. There is no purgatory that we go to in these states where our hearts and souls get right or somebody down in the church is praying for us and we finally make it out of purgatory. It's over when this life is over. The decisions that you made in this life are what will affect your eternity. And so if you prayed to receive Jesus by faith in this life, you trusted Him as your Savior, you are eternally secure. If you rejected Him, denied Him, and cursed His name in this life, your destiny is eternally secured in the absence of God's presence in a place called hell. And so, judgment. Remember this Greek word in the New Testament is krisis. It's our word for crisis. The day that Jesus Christ was born, the day of the Incarnation, established this huge crisis that hangs over the entire world until the final manifestation of the day of the Lord. But it's only a crisis for those... Ms. Karen, I get to use this, all right? It's only a crisis for those who have never received Jesus. It's not a crisis for us. The crisis for the lost person comes like a thief in the night. The day of the Lord comes when we least expect it. And so it's our call to be ready get ready get your family in order you know when my brother who is deployed right now before deployment every time that he leaves and any of you who are military families know this probably police and fire families other dangerous professions but every time my brother leaves before deployment he updates his last will and testament so that if anything happens to him while he's gone everything will be in order for his family from a legal perspective and his wishes being carried out guys we don't know when the last day is and i'm not sitting up here telling you to get your will and testament in order but i'm telling you to get your life in order get your family in order get your heart in order get your mind in order if it has become conformed to this world go to romans 12 and read it that the lord desires for your mind to be renewed to no longer be conformed to this world but get it right get it set on heavenly things get it scripturally correct turn over to the lord and repent For those who reject Christ, the day of the Lord is going to come like an unwelcome guest. It's going to come as an intrusion. But boy, for us, it's going to be anticipated. It's going to be a day of deliverance, not doom for us. It's going to be a day of victory for us. It's going to be a day that we want to come. In fact, we want it to come as soon as possible. Sylvia Townsend Warner once said, anticipation of pleasure is a pleasure in itself that's good isn't it remember how as little kids uh, brian i don't know if this happened with you and anybody that's younger than brian i don't know but we used to get the jc penny catalog when i was a kid and mom i don't know when it came it didn't come like they put up christmas stuff in uh, Hobby Lobby now like a, probably Christmas stuff is up in Hobby Lobby right now. I hadn't seen But I remember like November you would get this Christmas catalog And man you mom would say here's your pen. Okay You go in there with the blue pen and circle the things you want and your brother gets the black pen and He's going to circle the things he wants We were so looking forward to the day of Christmas that in those moments we were excited Christmas hadn't come yet, but we were excited then When we anticipate something like Christ's return or the day of the Lord, it should make us excited today. It should renew and reinvigorate our faith so that we're experiencing pleasure even now while we're still hoping for pleasure. It's going to be a glorious day. But the day of the Lord is going to come unannounced and unexpected. We're supposed to be ready for this day. To sound the trumpet of the good news until the day comes And guys, we know this, it's closer today than it ever has been. It might happen today, it could happen tomorrow, it might take another hundred years. But we don't care about the exact date. All we need to know is what we're supposed to do in the meantime. Don't get caught up as by a thief in the night. Your calling is threefold. Be vigilant, be diligent, and anticipate. Be vigilant in living for Christ. Every day of your life. You wake up in the morning. Oh, no, it's Monday. I'm not going to live for Christ on Monday. These are bad days. Oh, no, tomorrow school starts. It's awful. I'm not going to live for Christ today. I'm going to drown in my own sorrows and throw a pity party. Uh, Michelle's not doing that. Michelle's a principal of a school. Can you imagine? You know what she said to me Friday? She said, hey, you're not supposed to be at the office on Fridays. And she drove by going to her house. And uh, she said, I am so blessed to have the job that I have. You know what, I want my kid going to a school where the principal believes that and trusts Jesus as her Savior. That's the way to look at things, that tomorrow's a new opportunity, that it's a new mercy from God, that it's a new gift from the Lord. We ought to be living our lives vigilantly for Him. Secondly, we ought to be diligent in carrying out the Great Commission. What's the Great Commission? It's the good news of Jesus. Jesus said that all power... Uh, on heaven and on earth has been given to you, he said, go and make disciples. Teach people the words that I have told you and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's our mission statement here, by the way. should be the mission statement of every New Testament church. But we're to be diligent in living for the Lord. And thirdly, you're to look forward to the Lord's return with great anticipation. Now, not just looking forward to it, but living like he's coming today. Uh, I remember... Of all things, a friend's house that I used to go to and in the restroom, all right, and I don't know why you remember signs that people hang in their bathrooms so well, but I do, okay? It said, live every day like Jesus died yesterday, rose today, and is coming again tomorrow. And that's a really good way of thinking about living your life. Uh, Yesterday might have been a hard day. It might have been a sad day. It might have been Just that type of day, but Jesus rose today. There should be joy and excitement and zeal in our hearts and also that we're getting ready because he's coming again tomorrow. What if Jesus came again tomorrow? What would you have to get in order today for Jesus's return tomorrow? It probably tells you where you ought to be in prayer right now. Peter asks us in light of all of this, what type of people we should be? Well, We ought to be people whose conduct and our language and the way we think and the things that we look at, the music we listen to, and the way we treat other people, that that conduct is marked by godliness. That's holy. That we're faithful to the Lord. That we're ministering to the lost and to the saved. That you're out there evangelizing and that you're in here discipling. Listen, a lot of evangelism doesn't happen in the church. Very little of it does. My former pastor, also worked for a funeral home. And he told me one day, I saw him at a funeral and hugged his neck and said, Brother Sid, and he said, you wouldn't believe this, Aaron. He said, I get to talk to more people about Jesus through these funerals that we do than I do preaching at the church. I'm like, wow, I never thought about that. But lost people normally aren't in here, are they? Saved people are in here. Saved people are in here getting filled up with the Spirit, getting encouraged, getting uh, ready and then going out to the lost people. We ought to be affecting their lives more than they're affecting ours. Lost people very seldom anymore wander into a church. You may bring somebody who doesn't know Jesus with you, and you should, but where our mission field is isn't in here, it's out there. Our ministry happens outside of this church most often. And so Peter's saying, live in a way that you're ministering. Exert effort in Kingdom Matters. Man, don't be lazy spiritually. Be spending your lives, your youth and your twilight years, in ushering in God's kingdom. And be a praying people. Pray that God doesn't delay, because these days are getting dark. And so he says, verse 14, Beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace. You know what he's talking about there? That you have peace with God that you're not at war with God, that you haven't wandered from God, that you haven't grieved the Spirit, that you haven't backslidden out of His presence, that you haven't turned your back on God, but be found at peace with God. When that day comes, man, you need to be at peace with the Lord. Will you be saved? Can you be saved and still uh, be in a backslidden lifestyle? I think so, but it's not where you should be. And he says, be prepared. Because we are being sent out. Don't watch what's happening to the world from your sofa. Listen, guys, this is the reality for a lot of Christians, especially the older we get. As the days get worse, what we're doing is disengaging. That's dangerous. The bride of Christ is God's plan A for the evangelization of the world, for the spread of the gospel, To bring lost children, men, women to Jesus. If the church insulates herself inside like this is our bunker. Everybody come in. Get in here, man. We're taking incoming from the enemy. And we are. We're not called to come in here and hide. We're called to get encouraged in here. To be built up in here to be fortified and solidified and our spine strengthened with the sanctification of christ and then go back out there wars aren't won from bunkering down you know i I know when we think about monks who cloister in monasteries and what a holy thing that is i'm going to tell you you can become so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good You can become this person who all you do is you devote 20 hours of your day to prayer and four hours to sleep and you hide inside these walls. And I'm not saying prayer is not important, but if you're not acting on your faith, if you're not going out and doing something about it, how are you shaping the kingdom of God? How are you changing the world? Don't disengage from the world. Don't hide from the world. Peter didn't. He was about to die for his faith, and he knew that as he was writing this. Be vigilant. Be diligent. Don't isolate yourself from humanity. Do what you were created to do. Do what you were born again to do. Do what you're blessed to do. Bring people to Jesus and fill the whole earth with his praise. As these last days are consummated, uh, Peter finishes his letter by telling us to beware of false teaching. He says, beware of satanic attacks. Beware of the spiritual warfare that is constantly going on around you. Beware that there are those out there who are distorting Scripture. Beware that your itching ears aren't getting scratched by the world's ways. Because here's what's happening with a lot of people. A lot of people have gotten disenfranchised with God because he hasn't answered their prayers in a certain way, or he hasn't acted like they thought he should act, or somebody in the church said something to them about their dress, that they didn't like that color, and they they left the church, and they'll never come back again, or so many different things that people get disenfranchised with God over. And what they're looking for is somebody to take care of this itch that's happening. And the world always has an ear-scratcher somewhere. Satan makes sure of it. You're going to find something to scratch your ears if they're itching. But those are void of meaning. They have no promise, no future, no hope. They have no power to change your life. They can't heal you. Anything that the world's offering is a deception. It's a lie. Guys, to be aware of something, like Peter's warning us, you have to be aware of it first. Anything the world's trying to sell you is going to be counterfeit. What God's trying to give you is real. I don't care how long you've been a Christian, and I I put this up on the screen because I think this is important. I really could care less, and you should care less, how much of the Bible I know, or how many verses I've memorized, or uh, what seminary I went to, and whether I have a bachelor's or a master's or a doctoral degree in theology. Those things aren't what's important. If you don't continue, and that's for you and I today, if we don't keep watching ourselves, keep examining ourselves, if we don't keep looking to the Lord, then we can trip and we can fall. If King David could do it, you and I can do it, right? When David took his eyes off the Lord, stopped obeying the Lord, and it was a season for kings to go out with their soldiers, and David stayed home. And he was on top of his roof, disobeying God in a place he shouldn't have been, at a time he shouldn't have been there. He set himself up for failure. When we do the same thing, what we're missing is this idea that we too can trip and fall. Even devout people, if we've stopped looking to God, meditating on His Word, walking with Him daily, spending time with Him, We can also be led away by the error of the wicked. Don't think that you're above that. Remain humble enough to stay under Him. To look to Him. To seek Him. If you're messed up in your life, if things are going awry, man, humble yourself beneath the power of the Almighty and ask Him, God, what's happening? Why am I here? What's going on? Is it me? Have I sinned? Is this a test? What are you trying to teach me? Is this part of your plan? Like, Lord, help me. I need wisdom. And you need to do that daily. Because we can all fall. Even the most dedicated believers can get into trouble. So we be careful. Last thing here, verse 18 says But you, you, Paul, you, Steve, you, Justin, you, Jessica, you, Jennifer. You TJ, you Brian, you Monica, you Lynn, you Gene, and Eugene. Man, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I know of no person who's ever received a diploma from the school of Christ. Why? Because we haven't arrived. If we're still alive, it means we haven't gotten our graduation diploma yet. We're still learning. I don't care if you're 95 years old in here. You're still learning something from the Lord. He's still teaching and working and edifying and sanctifying and growing you in some way. He's not done with you yet. That's a humbling thing. A lot of us would pull back away from the granite and say that what we've been working on our whole lives, that that statue was as perfect as it could be. But if God's the one holding the chisel, and He's the one with the sandpaper, He's saying you're still a work in progress. You have to rely on me daily. Grow. The work of growth is the daily work of a Christian. Becoming a disciple of Jesus means that you're always growing always learning, always becoming more sanctified and holy. We're Christians upon this earth for the duration of our lives, and we do not retire from Christian service. This is a pilgrimage, guys. It's a pilgrimage of growth and grace. And it's not going to be over till we see heaven. You know what that final verse says there? It's Peter's doxology in verse 18. He says, To Him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Remember Jesus' words in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew six thirteen. He said, Thine is the kingdom and the power and the what? Glory forever. Amen. I'll just tell you why it says that, okay? Your life as a believer and my life as a believer is all about God's glory. The way that we act, the way we raise our kids, the things that we do at work, our conduct, our speech, the things that we get ourselves into, the activities we participate in, the church that we go to, the people that we meet, how we respect other people, how we honor other people. It's really all about God's glory. We want to glorify God in everything we do. If it doesn't glorify God, we ought not do it. And so the end of our lives, Jesus prayed it in the Lord's Prayer. Peter ends his second letter with the same thing. To God be the glory. You want to avoid getting caught by a thief in the night? Be living in the light. Let your life be one that is reflective of God's glory and you're never going to get taken or caught off guard. You're always going to be ready for that day to come. Whether it comes tomorrow, ten years from now, or way down the road after we're gone. God's glory is the ultimate purpose, aim, and goal of your life. Augustine said this, Almighty God, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. Peter alludes to the new heavens and the new earth. We did a study on Wednesday nights not very long ago by Randy Alcorn called Heaven. And he talked about the present heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The present heaven is not the new heavens and the new earth. Right? There is coming a time when (coughs) the earth will be destroyed and What will come down is the new heavens and the new earth where we will abide eternally with the Lord. Now, it doesn't mean the present heaven is any less great or glorious or wonderful because you're in the presence of the Lord. But one day, there's going to be this place that He's created that is even better than where we are now when... Uh, bodies are completely glorified, and everyone has been sanctified, and uh, the redeemed of the Lord are there forever and ever and ever and ever, and that's our eternal state. I look forward to that day. I won't have to know God by faith that day, because faith won't be necessary. There will be sight he will see me and I will get to be in His presence and the redeemed of the Lord, whether it's your daddy or your mama or your child that you lost in infancy or your friend or whomever it may be, there is going to be a reunion where you guys can, I believe, touch and feel and hold each other. Relationships will be a little different there, yeah, but it's not going to be any less wonderful. Guys, I say that because whatever hell you're walking through today, whether it's sickness, disease, you just lost somebody that you love so dearly, whether it's struggle and emotions and pain, whether it's physical problems or defects in your heart, or you've been diagnosed with cancer, cancer or you can't stop crying over some emotional distress, I, whatever your problem is, if you love Jesus one day, perfection will be yours. And it is such a glorious, wonderful thought that it helps you to live in light of that glory today. Press on. Don't give up. Keep going. Trust Him step by step by step of faith. And you get to see the promises of God. Don't give up today. Don't lose faith in the Lord Almighty. Don't quit. Keep faithful. Think that's Peter's message. Press in, press on, don't give up. Grow in anticipation because he's coming. Keep the faith. Pray with me. Heavenly Father. We don't know when the day of visitation is going to occur. We don't know when Jesus is coming back to uh, take those who have gone on before us and that we who are alive and remain will be caught up in the twinkling of an eye. We don't know when the day of judgment's coming, God. But I pray there's not a single soul, not one who sits here today, not one who's tired, not one who's hungry, not one who's zoned out right now or checked out, not a single person, Lord God, that can sit and hear piano keys playing and a voice praying over them that they wouldn't look to you at this moment and say Lord, should you return right now I don't know where I'd be what state my soul is in friends if you're not ready for the Lord's return today today is the day to get ready for the Lord's return your heart is full of sin and if it's unconfessed and you've lost hope and you may be angry at God because the prayers that you've prayed over and over have been delayed or maybe he hasn't answered them yet according to his will maybe you've lost faith and kind of quit along the way maybe you've stopped having devotions in your home maybe you've stopped praying every day maybe your Bible is covered in dust because you hadn't picked it up in a while. Would you go to the Lord today and ask Him to renew you? Maybe you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. I, I don't know. There are moments when we need to do that. Maybe you just need to ask the Lord to know you and to search you and to reveal any hidden sin that is within you. Maybe you need to make confession today. You don't have to confess to a person. Go straight to the Lord. Maybe today you need to be baptized. Maybe you've been holding off on it. You've been saved for a while and you've never taken that step of obedience and following the Lord in scriptural baptism. I'm going to respond to that. Maybe you are angry and maybe you even harbor hatred in your heart towards someone and you need to go to them and say, you know what, I've been hurting it's over something you did and I just need to forgive you maybe you're in here today and you're just lost straight up and you've put on the church face for a long long time and you've come and you got your bible and you got your good clothes on but inside you're spiritually lost and today's the day you know that the spirit is grappling with your heart And He's trying to drag you out of this. And what you need to do is simply to say, Lord, forgive me of my sin and save my soul. I trust Jesus as my Savior. I believe in You, God. I need Your help from this day forward to walk with You, to live for You. I want You, Lord God. Save me. And you cry that prayer out in faith, the Lord will hear it and He will answer. Whether you share that with us or not is your decision, but... Man, why not? We want to know because we want to rejoice with you. Heavenly Father, Lord, whatever it is that's in our lives right now, maybe it's beating us up, pressing us down, crushing us, overwhelming us. Lord God, we lay that before you. It can't be too big for you. We pray for your help. We pray for your intervention. We ask all of this in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said it. Amen.